0: This is a shoe, but would a shoe by any other name cost as much? Well not if it was this shoe, this is a Nike Dunk Yellow Lobster which last sold on public markets for $16,500. Now. This was not a shoe covered in diamonds or worn by some legendary athlete, it isn't made of space age materials that make you run faster, and to be frank it doesn't have any utility value over a regular pair of Nike sneakers that could be had for under 100 bucks. And yet this outlandish sale has widely been recognized as a savvy investment, especially considering today it is not possible to buy these sneakers on the same public market for under $50,000. This pair of shoes, while exceptional, is not even that unusual. The resale luxury goods market has become a major industry of sellers, buyers, traders and even companies looking to eke out a profit in a market worth over 6 billion dollars in the USA alone. So what is going on here? The market for alternative investments has been a really exciting field in recent decades with everything from bitcoins to beanie babies being touted as the next must have to outperform the boring old stock market. Now some of these investments have been good and some of these investments have been bad and many haven't been around for long enough to really tell yet, but the aftermarket for high fashion is a really interesting entrant in this world for a few key reasons. So can things like sneakers really be considered an investment? Or is this people desperately trying to justify an irrational purchase? What would one need to know before investing into these markets? Who are the key players in this industry? And most importantly, is this all just another speculative bubble? Common sense would dictate that a pair of shoes costing as much as a nice car is just as crazy as a tulip bulb costing as much as a house, but maybe there is more to this market than a skeptical outside viewer can discern. So. Hold on to your yeezys because the market for shoes, bags and whatever else gets pretty wild. Now perhaps the first place to understanding the wild prices on the resale market is to understand why these items cost so much in the first place. Normally when you pay more for something it is objectively superior, but for luxury goods eh, that's not always the case. So is this all just marketing hype? Well to give these items a fair assessment we must consider how the price of anything is determined, and that is supply and demand. For a good portion of these items supply is heavily regulated. These shoes that we saw at the beginning of the video are one of only 34 copies in the entire world, and even for more ordinary luxury items sometimes having the cash to buy them is not enough. If you walk into a Rolex, Hermes or even a Nike store and ask for their most in demand watch bag or shoe (laughs) respectively, you will get laughed out onto the street. To access these products you have to be invited to join a waiting list. A waiting list that could take years and years to get to the top of before you are given the privilege of handing over tens of thousands of dollars for a product that competes with other products that cost one one thousandth the price. So why would retailers do this? Good business would dictate that if there is demand for your product at a price point which you can turn a profit on, you sell more of that product. Rolex could very easily double their output of Submariners pretty much overnight if they really wanted to, and if they did they would very easily be able to sell all of that extra stock even at the ludicrous 5 figure price tags that they charge. If they sold out all of this extra stock they would more than double their profits, accounting for some fixed business costs. But they don't, which doesn't make sense to a rational economist or even a rational person. It's got to be remembered that most of these brands are owned by companies that are owned by shareholders, shareholders who want to see a return on their investment. Rolex might actually be a bad example here because it's actually owned by a charitable foundation. But even in this case, surely it is better to have more money at the end of the year to put towards whatever good initiatives there are out there, right? Now luxury goods retailers will likely claim that the reason that their stock is so limited is to maintain quality. That there are only so many leather workers in the world qualified enough to stitch together a Birkin and only so many horologists that are talented enough to assemble a Patek Philippe. And in fairness, there might actually be something to this extremely high end luxury goods tend to be constructed in more boutique settings with much more skilled workers. As for those Nike shoes, eh, well we will get to that later. In either case it's a bit of a stretch to imagine that they couldn't just train more staff and get it done, especially with such a lucrative profit motive. This explanation also avoids one other little dirty secret of the luxury goods industry, Chanel has recently found itself in hot water with the French government after being called out for what is actually a pretty widespread industry practice. They were burning, literally setting fire to excess stock that was not sold during an allotted season. This sounds even more bizarre. Surely, a rational business would prefer to hold on to non perishables until they sell, or if they are taking up room on the shelves that needs to be used for new stock, just sell them at a discount. And I mean, It's not even like these high fashion houses needed to do that, remember they have swarms of people willing to pay the ludicrous prices so surely there wouldn't be any leftovers anyway and yep that would be the case, but it isn't, no the real reason that these brands control the supply so heavy handedly is that they need to control the price throughout the entire life of the product. They do this because they know that price drives price. Whether we like to admit it or not, we purchase these luxury goods as a way to show off. And yeah yeah there will be purists that say they respect the craftsmanship and the heritage of the brand and maybe there's a tiny handful of people for which this is actually true, but come on nobody is fooling anybody. You don't buy a $50,000 watch or a $20,000 handbag or even a $1,000 pair of sneakers unless you think that your peers are going to acknowledge them as a prestige item. A majority of the reason why people think that these items have so much prestige is because of their price, which causes a really interesting phenomenon. The more expensive these items are, the more demand they attract, which is the exact opposite of what every single economics textbook ever would have taught you, right? Well sure, these products violate the basic laws of supply and demand, but this is actually nothing new to behavioral economists, they are called Veblen goods. Thornstein Veblen was an American economist who amongst other things coined the term conspicuous consumption in his 1899 book The Theory of the Leisure Class. In this book He chronicled how products were increasingly being used as a display of wealth and superiority and how the perceived price of a good could influence its price. In other words, people know it's a bit gauche to walk around talking about how rich they are, but if there was something that could do that for them it would just be perfect. A Veblen product provides utility in two ways. Sure it works as a bag or a car or a watch or whatever else, But it also acts as a giant billboard saying I am a person of wealth. So brands have to do two things, they need to be recognisable and they need to be known to be expensive. So that when Sally from marketing walks in with her new chanel boots with the fur, you start questioning how well you actually negotiated your salary. But what has all of this got to do with burning leftover product, couldn't these brands just raise prices if this was true? Well, no. Of course, there is an eventual limit where the Veblen billboard goes from saying, Look at how rich I am, to Look at how much of a sucker I am. So, supply side control is still really important. But for these Veblen products to have maximum impact, they can't let in any imposters, like those dirty peasants buying second hand goods. If an Artemis that's losing time costs $20,000 at a retailer, but you could get one second hand for a mere $2,000, then your friends and family aren't going to be able to tell just how rich you are. So, retailers needed to bump those numbers up. How did they do this? Simple. They make it so hard to get an item at retail price that people who are impatient are forced to buy secondhand. This secondhand demand drives up the prices of these products in the resale market to a point where, oftentimes, they are more expensive than brand new. Now, I know this sounds bizarre, but It is great for the retailers in the long term because it means that there is no cheap way to buy their product, therefore if you see someone sporting a genuine richard mill you know they forked over a lot of money for the privilege to do so. Now this is effectively a man made market failure. Supply and demand wants to meet at a logical equilibrium, but because silly humans are illogical beings it is kept from doing so. Although anytime there are market failings, there is money to be made. So who are the people making all of this money? Of course there are the retailers who are profiting wildly off the perception of prestige but this market has more than one player. The first are the flippers. You ever see those people lined up overnight outside sneaker stores, well some of them obviously just really want a pair of brand new limited edition whatevers, but a good portion of these people are going to buy up all the product and then resell it to rich exchange students after the retailer sells out. They turn a tidy profit for the effort that they put in, like camping outside of a store for a week and everyone leaves happy. Now these flippers will often sell these products through the second big player in this market, which are consignment stores. Sites like the real real and the vestiaire collective offer purchasers an easy way to find the products they are looking for while also putting a brand reputation behind the sale to ensure that things like knockoff products are not an issue, which they very well could be from an independent flipper. These consignment stores can be big business, the real real for example is a publicly listed company on the nasdaq with a market capitalization of 1.4 billion dollars. The next are the speculators, now these are an interesting group of people who will buy up luxury items as if they were a stock, bond, precious metal or piece of real estate. They are effectively betting on future price growth to turn a profit, and if you think this is a small hobby then think again. Remember those ugly shoes from the beginning of the video? They sold on a site called StockX which is a public marketplace for resale… everything. If you remove the brand names and pictures of shoes, this platform would be indistinguishable from a regular stock trading platform, with market insights, charts, trade details and even bid and ask prices. Finally of course, there is the end user. The person who is going to slip on those shoes or that watch. Weirdly enough, these individuals can benefit from this whole game as well. Consider two people. Person 1 buys a movement watch person two buys a rolex. Now the movement watch is just fine, despite what most watch snobs will say it's still going to tell the time and dress up a nice outfit, but eventually the generic watch owner will get over it and probably just throw it away because there is absolutely no resale market for that type of product, they will buy another one and repeat the whole process. If the Rolex Expire, on the other hand gets sick of their watch, they can just sell it for exactly what they purchased it for if not more, making the total cost of ownership cheaper for the roly than the generic brand watch. If you ever wondered why millionaires and billionaires have 20 car garages, it's not completely because they can, it's often because they are filled to the brim with rare cars that will appreciate in value, almost like a great big stock portfolio that you can still take out for a spin on the weekend. The market for resale luxury goods is very well, let's call it interesting. To regular onlookers it can seem outrageously expensive at best and gluttonous at worst, but a deeper insight will reveal that there is some method to this pricing madness. Is this all a bubble? Well by definition you can't see a bubble when you're in one, but for now at least it doesn't seem so. Even at the current prices, demand is outpacing supply and if anything an increase in price might only push demand further. Does that mean that you should go remortgage your house and go long on a portfolio of yeezys and bregays, well no. But if nothing else this should show just how diverse, fascinating and not to mention confusing the world of investing can be.